This episode of Zero Exposure is brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash TZR to get your free 30-day trial today. Welcome everyone to the second episode of Zero Exposure Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Skirbo, and today I'm joined by Mike Potts. I'm still unprepared with something to say. That's okay, because I'm also joined by Shane Weaver. Who's also as equally unprepared. This is great. We'll, we'll all be saved by Frank Nosich. Pamparam, pam, pamparam. Don't know that one either. Nope. No. Dang. Nope. Less Potts, so than ever. Less so than ever. Uh, yeah, I don't recognize that. So, like, in Witcher 3, when you're walking around Velen, sometimes some of the ambient noise that, like, the Baron's men will make will be this song that they're humming, and it's like, pam-pa-ram, pam-pam-pa-ram. Uh, no? I have probably heard it a million times and just yeah. never noticed. Oh, okay. Well, it's one of the funniest things to me when I'm walking around <laughs> and I just hear that song and I'm, like, humming along with it, so. I just, I just recently decided to turn off all of the, um... Uh, 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 the what is it? the words on the screen when people talk? Wow! Sound effects? No. Subtitles. Subtitles. Wow! <laughs> I, I turned off all the subtitles in the game because I realized I was only looking at them, and that's also made me listen in more to what people around me are saying because I don't just see the little words pop up above their head as you walk by them. So maybe I will notice that more as I as I go through. I'm terrible. I always need subtitles. Yeah, I usually uh -huh. use them just because I'm, like, too afraid that I'll miss one word and be like, wait, yeah. well, what did he say? I just, I realized, like, in all of the cutscenes and dialogue, I'm literally just looking at the words and not looking at any of the animation, and that's no good. Like, yeah, that is the, that is a shame. For me, for me, it's different, because when I'm watching a movie or a TV show, I hate subtitles. I can't stand them. But when I'm playing a video game, it is so weird to me to not have subtitles. <laughs> like, I need to have the subtitles there, even though I don't pay attention to them. And yeah. I'm, like, focusing on the dialogue. I like... I don't know what it is. It's just... Meh. I like in certain games when it, like, kind of doesn't give you a choice. Um, but sometimes it can be problematic. Like, I remember in, I think, Uncharted 2, it defaults on no subtitles. And, like, that was awesome because the acting in that game is incredible. Um, but in a game like Legacy of Kane's Soul Reaver, <laughs> I really wish that there were subtitles yeah. in that game sometimes. <laughs> that was... See... If you weren't going to make that transition, then I was going to make that transition. The but transition has been made. That. Gentlemen, this is a, uh, our first actual real, I guess, discussion episode uh, of Zero Exposure. As our listeners know, the Zero Exposure podcast happens once a month. It is the last Wednesday of each month where Potts and Frank and Shane and myself get together to discuss a game that one or all of us has little to no exposure of to words yes um and a great start after a great start and last month shane had uh provided our first game that we were going to play in this video game book club of sorts and that game was legacy of Cain soul reaver so shane can i pass it over to you to kind of uh talk about why this was your suggestion and you know what yeah, uh no, what I made mean... this game special for you before we jump into our discussion yeah i I fondly remember jumping into this game 
after some warm reception to it, just seeing stuff online and thinking, all right, let me let me give this a shot. Um, and I kind of got sucked into the lore and the world that was going on and a lot of what was going on with the main character. I don't know. I just thought it was cool. Um, and I also was playing it at the time on the PSP. And so it was kind of cool to just be able to play this little adventure on the go when I had time and make my way through this story. And uh, that's where my enjoyment started for this game and where what I remember the lingering effect and what I wanted to share with everyone else. Cool. Well, you mentioned the, uh, the lore and the story and whatnot, and I feel like that might be a pretty cool place to start. Um, do you, do you want one of us who isn't Shane to explain what we think the story is? Yeah, for sure. Can can I do it? Yeah, yeah. Go for (laughs) it. Go for it. This is, this is kind of your back pot. I'm actually, I'm super there. I'm, I'm so ill-prepared for this discussion <laughs> in terms of my education on said lore. I'm like but, fresh yes, off this game, so I feel like I've got, yeah. I've got some good, uh, some good yeah, stuff to I, add. I've done a little more extensive reading. I, I've done absolutely no reading. All I have is the, the first opening cutscene, which seems like it's about six and a half hours long. Especially considering I had to play through it three times because I kept accidentally restarting it because I don't know how a Vita works. <laughs> um... Okay, so the story of Legacy of Cain, Soul Reaver, is Cain is like a vampire who rules the world. I assume that happens in the first game. And every so often he goes into like the Odin sleep and he wakes up and he has a new superpower. Because he's he's slowly evolving. But then your character... Razael, who's like a the lead singer of an emo band in terms of the way that he looks, he is like, yo, dad, I got wings. I'm better than you now. Isn't that great? And Kane's like, that's not great. And he tears off your wings and he throws you into uh, the, the spooky, spirally ghost pit from Disney's Hercules. <laughs> and uh, And you're in there for like... I guess like a thousand years and it melts all of your skin off and your bottom jaw goes away and you're just this this creepy dude and then what I assume is like an elder god thing is like hey hey uh Razael shit's shit's gone wackadoo uh, up in the real world and uh I need you to kill Cain for me I think because I like it when souls are able to go where they're supposed to when people die, and Kane is keeping that from happening. I think I can I can answer to that thing. Sure. I think. Yeah, jump so, in. What happened was back in the original Blood Omen, on Nosgoth, with the war between the vampires and the humans, with like the Seraphim, the Seraphim who were like basically elite vampire hunters were sponsored by like a circle of sorcerers, and the sorcerers <laughs> went insane. So Kane went on a journey to basically bring order to the world to go to, like, the Pillars of Nosgoth, which keeps everything in check. But by the end of the game, he, like, became corrupted or, like, did something and then became, like, a vampire lord and then systematically tore Nosgoth apart. What if, so then, yeah. Gotcha. Sorry, I, I was just going to say, he becomes a vampire pretty early on in the game, and originally it's just so he can exact revenge on the dude that killed him. 
as soon as that happens, then he kind of gets enlisted to be like, yo, so we got bigger problems in the world. Can you come and fix them? And oh, Kane's okay. like, well, I guess I got nothing better to do, more or less. This, this again, this is kind of my memory of it. Um, and this is from Blood goes, Omen, correct? Yes, this yeah. is all backstory. Yeah, and so, and then, so when Raziel evolved and superseded Cain as like the pinnacle of vampires and was destroyed, that elder spirit was bound, I think, to the pillars of Nosgoth, and then thus sent Raziel as an like his agent. I, to I, enact like, revenge on Cain. I believe he describes him as his reaver of souls or soul reaver, which he says yeah. about fourteen times yeah. in that cutscene. <laughs> it got made it clear. Yeah, like well. And it's then, like the uh, and they say the name of the movie in the movie. Yeah, and then, oh, and, and like the 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 gist of it is like, uh, Raziel has to go kill all of his brothers and Cain because they've all evolved into like monsters instead of being like higher vampires. Well, I don't, I don't think he knows that when when he wakes up. Yeah, no, he doesn't know that immediately, but he he quickly learns that everybody has. I think I think the intent is when he wakes up the the eldritch god thing is basically like yo you should go like saying no, he's you, like the you, world's fucked up and you really got to fix it. Yeah, and he's like you well, should go kill Kane. And I think yeah. in uh in Raziel's head he's like okay, let me go get to Kane. I don't know where he is right now, so let me go try to get my bearings, figure out where the fuck I am right now, and then once I know where I am, I'll go to like the nearest person I can that can direct me towards Kane. And that's when he starts to like figure out like like oh wait all of my all of my high-blooded vampiric brothers are now these fucking crazy ass monsters and like like what what happened basically (laughs) so he goes to try to find like the heads of all these different like clans or whatever that that make up this like vampiric brotherhood or whatever and that's when he finds out that stuff's like all stuff's messed up yeah granted stuff was super messed up before um his uh he was cast into the pit and you know everyone turned into monsters yeah because it's like the the war expanded from him from like the vampires versus the humans and now it's like these vampire clans kind of versus each other like a vie for power kind of thing right well it's more or less like the pillars that hold the world together were destroyed and like you can see that like i'm probably jumping ahead a little bit but when you go see kane the first time and you're at his throne room and you see those pillars they're all like messed up those are the pillars in nosgoth Okay, I certainly did not get that far nope. personally. Um, okay, for for wait, reference, wait, you didn't encounter Kane for the first time? Nope. No, no. Uh, like yeah, I was afraid that was in the game. Okay, so the the to be totally transparent, I reached the first. I reached and beat the first boss. So I found my first like vampire brother guy, like mutant walkie thing, and killed him. Yeah, okay. yeah, I got just about that far, too. We'll, 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 I'll get back to that when we start talking about, like, you know, the gameplay and the pacing. Yeah. But if we're still talking story, we'll just... We'll yeah, yeah, you keep, keep going okay. through, keep going. Yeah, I'm out of stuff to say. <laughs> okay. Um, I, actually, yeah, Shane, like, fill us in, because, like, we're kind of, like, not clueless, but you obviously know more than we do about the backstory. I'm just piecing it together by, like, snippets that I've read and, like, me going through the game, so... Yeah, no, so, I mean, just, uh, the, the one whole, or the one thing we didn't, um, clear up for, for Blood Omen's little backstory is that the way it worked was, um, Kane, 
who was like kind of given like told to go kill basically all those seven pillars of Nosgoth that were crumbled by the time you know by the time we saw them um those used to be healthy but they all had guardians each pillar had a guardian okay and essentially what needed to happen is Cain needed to go kill each guardian because each guardian was becoming corrupt and then the pillar would choose a new guardian that is more pure and that and thus the world could remain in balance so Cain in the first game goes around killing all the guardians so the world can remain in balance until boom twist ending Cain is the last guardian so uh-huh. he has to kill himself in order to make the world stay uh, balanced. So let me and he guess, says, he, fuck that. Yeah, I was going to say he probably doesn't, and that's why the uh, world's all in disarray. And the Elder God guy is like, or maybe it's the opening cutscene where they're like, Cain failed to sacrifice himself, and that yeah. is the reason that everything went bad. Yeah, yeah. He, he was decided, I'm going to be selfish, and I'm going to just let the world fall apart and rule it. So that's Cain. Huh. And so then we start as you know, years after when Cain has had offspring and, you know, a bunch of sons, that's when we have Raziel being his emo goth phase, then being chucked into a pit and turning into his much cooler ghoul um, phase. Anyway, and then... Great, sure. (laughs) Um, And so that's where, you know, that story kicks off. He jumps in. The Elder God says, hey, don't you hate your dad? He's kind of a you know, not such a nice guy. I hate him too. So let's work together here. And th- that's kind of where that alliance works. So and what you're saying is the elder is the cool stepdad that is trying to yeah. steal Raziel away from. <laughs> gotcha. So, so where does the story go past where we were? So like Raziel's like, okay, whatever. I've got nothing else to do. And I'm like trapped in this miserable existence of a, of a soul eating ghoul. So I'm just going to go do whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and starts so, and starts going. So, so as as you guys would have played, you kind of, uh, you know, starts walking into the world and being like, Jesus, this is different than I last was here. Um, goes to go find his own clan or find Cain, one or the other. Can't find either really. Finds his first brother and it's like, Jesus, what happened to you? And he's like, I've evolved, brother. Um, and basically. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you fight him, take his powers, and learn more information about how your clan is no longer uh, a thing, because Cain doesn't have use for a clan with no leader. Um, and then you proceed to find Cain and have your first confrontation with him. Mm. And how, and how does that, that go? That goes with him trying to kill you and being not so... Well, like, he's pretty not powerful, so, so he, he would have been if you weren't now a wraith. I was going to say, like, he can't well, kill you because you can't die in this well, game. No, no, no. You just shift to the spectral plane. But there's more to it. He can kill him because Cain possesses the soul reaver. Oh, so he can right. eat his soul too. Right. Right. I see. But, but then... Yeah, go on. Actually, yeah, you go. Go. <laughs> okay. So... As it turns out, the soul reaver kind of has a mind of its own, uh, in a way, and... When Cain tries to strike Raziel down with it, boom, it shatters. The sword, the soul reaver shatters in front of his eyes, and it instead takes on an ethereal form that binds itself to Raziel, and now Raziel and the sword, the soul reaver, have become one. And Raziel can now use the soul reaver as his weapon against Cain. Can you you pierce enemies with said sword? Yes. Yes. Wow, so that's a game changer as far as the combat's concerned. Yes. 
That it, we'll get to there. Okay. <laughs> because so to recap, Raziel, who becomes the elder's soul reaver, who reaves souls, gets bound to the soul reaver to further reave souls. Mm. Soul, soul reaver in this context being you know a sword it's, and it's, not it's, him. It's a tale of souls and swords eternally <laughs> they're one retold. <laughs> they're one I, in the same scurbo. They're both soul reavers. That should be my opening line. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just gonna cut to some sequel spoilers for a second here because it's hilarious. Sure. Um, in the second game, uh, you will be traveling through time, and you travel back in time, and you find an old, or you find the uh, the past version of the Soul Reaver, and you bind to it as well. So you have two versions of the Soul Reaver bound into you, who is the Soul Reaver, the Reaver of Souls. Interesting. <laughs> he hadn't had enough Soul Reavers. Huh. game. Anyway. So I think this might be a, a good uh, chance for us to sort of uh, shift into some gameplay and, and just kind of like our, our impressions of the game so far. Are you guys cool with that? Yep. Yeah, sure. Okay, so like... Like, I I thought the story was interesting as I started, but I think I think the story uh, shares a common thread with a lot of the gameplay elements and mechanics involved in this game, in that, like, like I I was hearing what what the characters were saying, but it was sort of hard for me to buy in right away. Like when I showed up at the first boss, I I actually had to like sit back and be like, wait, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It it just didn't do a really good job of like clearly illustrating to me who these people were. And maybe this is like a product of like modern gaming, and I'm just like too used to being spoon fed stuff. But uh. I found that to be a little a little weird. I, it didn't make me not want to progress, but it was definitely like, I, I feel like there are easier ways that they could have told me stuff. And I think that that is extremely, extremely the case with many elements of the game, such as the fast travel system that is barely, if at all, explained to you as a thing that you can do. Um, the, uh, yeah. what you call it? The spectral plane mechanic is, like, pretty critical to the entire progression of the game. And it is so fucking cryptic once you learn about it the first time. Like, you really sort of don't know what the boundaries are. And I feel like if you don't pick it up right away, it can severely hamper your experience playing it. And you said you were in it for, like, a half hour and didn't even know that you were and didn't understand why you couldn't progress. Oh, yeah. Like, I like I restarted the beginning of this game three times. Like, the first time was like, okay, let, let me get my feet wet and see what's going on. And, like, in that playthrough, I, I just straight up, like could not see where to go um very dark yeah the, the game is very dark and like kind of kind oh of hard to God, navigate it's so dark yeah it's like it's pretty hard to navigate but then like so that one i just got straight up lost the second playthrough i fell into some water me too and and <laughs> like went into some like went into the spectral plane did not know that the spectral plane was a thing that was happening and then like i basically found myself locked in a in a room and like 
I couldn't open a door and stuff, and this was because I was a ghost. I can't interact with material things. Uh, I did not know that at the time. I honestly, like, I honestly thought that I broke the game. Like, I thought that it was like not working correctly, which I think is a pretty fair thing to feel, considering how. And I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be mean or whatever, but the game is kind of jank right now. You know what I mean? Like playing it, I was like, there's some jank going on here, but uh. Yeah, so that was a bit bizarre, and then it was only on the third time playing through that I was like, okay, I understand what these mechanics are, I understand what's going on, and honestly, thank God I had the disc version of it, because I literally had to look in the manual to figure out what the spectral and physical planes were, and how they work, and that you need to be full health and stand on the blue thing, and hit select, and then hit the button to to switch over. Like, it was just a lot to it. Did any of you guys have similar issues? I don't know. I know exactly where you fell into that water because the exact same thing happened to me. And if you hadn't previously already told me exactly what you just said, I would have been completely clueless and also lost. Okay. Counterpoint to the water thing, though. The game tells you straight up. Oh, no, it, it, oh, tell, no, no, no. it tells you, yeah. like, yeah, water acts like air and it's no, deadly it's, to you and all this sort of there's, stuff. There's one spot at the very beginning where you walk over a hill and then you just drop into a pool of water that you could not see before you fell into it. I know exactly where do he's you, talking about. Do you mean, like, the central, like, pillar where he was thrown into the water and then you're supposed to leave? No, 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 it's, no, no, no. it's, 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 they, it's, it's like they're, they're first like, hey, watch out for that water, that shit'll hurt a lot. And then you, you do that room, and the next room you walk into, there's just this blind drop where you just fall into this pool of water. Oh. I mean, I guess. I don't know. I, I, no, I, I jumped know. over. No, like, the, I, I was able to jump over that one. It's just don't drop in, you jump in. I found a little bit further, there was like, like, I learned that the game was telling me to go right, but I ended up going left, and I literally like walked down an off-ramp into water, and then like went spectral or whatever. But then I had to fight a thing, and so I'm fighting the thing, and I lost some health. And then, like, I found the little blue thing, because I hurt, like, there is a, a cutscene beforehand that tells you, like, hey, if you stand on the blue thing, like, you shift realms or whatever. So I knew I had to do something with the blue thing, but, like, my health was super low, so I was like, oh, wait, like, why can't I interact with this thing? And I guess I just forgot between that time that, like, you need to be at full health. So I'm, like, sitting there for, like, you know, a couple of minutes, like like totally at odds with myself being like what the fuck am i supposed to do like did i do the wrong thing um and and i was just like okay like let me just let me just start again like it it was pretty early on so it wasn't like hard like it wasn't like a a big deal to start again but like that was definitely something that i encountered yeah i don't want to jump the gun uh, uh on talking about different aspects but i will say i think the common issue between what you guys are saying, is that this camera is really bad. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Yes. It is, like, yeah. one of the worst things ever. I haven't, I haven't even gone to that yet, <laughs> but my biggest gripe, my two biggest gripes with the game are the camera and the platforming. Okay, the, like, yeah. I, oh, let, yeah. Let's just focus on the camera first, because, like, the, the camera is a pretty... Well, hang on, hang on. Before, before you say the thing about the camera, I just want to say that. I didn't have a problem with the brightness. Really? The... Wow. Really? What were yeah. you playing so, on? I played the Dreamcast version. And I I'm turned... playing. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. No, go off. Go for it. What? No, just I'm also playing the Dreamcast version. I had an issue with the darkness. Proceed to tell us how you didn't. Yeah. I just turned the gamma up in the options. Like I just turned the gamma up. I'm like, okay, this is suitable, and they had zero issue with any 
any any of the darkness. I could not see it. Damn. It was nice and bright, and I could see where I was going the entire Maybe. time. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't do that. I'm playing a PS1 copy on my PS3, and it, it is rough. And I, I was playing it on the Vita, so I had, like, screen glare and darkness, and I don't know how to change the brightness no. on a Vita without fucking oh. resetting the game. <laughs> so... And also, and also to our listeners, because I guess this could be pertinent information but for the record i played on dreamcast and i finished the entire game it took me about 12 hours so okay. i got to the end okay that's my that's my going into it um really really quickly wanted to say one potential like one in like if you don't want to go into the auctions and actually that's with the display settings which i mean you should they're there but um by transferring over to the spectral realm it does brighten up every single environment and you're thus able to see uh, much better hmm. so that's a good yeah. little pro tip yeah but yeah, the one downside is then you have to like crawl around for one of those blue portals so you can enact the ritual to go back into yeah. the physical realm yeah whereas like a good 60 to 70 percent of the game takes place see it's so funny like even just that mechanic and i'm going to tie this back to the camera stuff like just that mechanic is like such a highlight of like this game is such a product of its time because like they they were like oh convenient features that allow you to progress comfortably through the game now fuck that we're gonna make this like totally like arbitrary system of doing this yeah it's like I, i'm hoping that in in future installments of the game like in soul reaver 2 they they addressed just that like shifting between realms and stuff um, um I don't know, because in Soul Reaver 2, I got put off, funny enough, I, we're going to get to the discussion about this game's combat, but I actually like Soul Reaver 2's a little bit less. Not because it's Whoa. mechanically worse, but there's, there's anyway. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so, God. So, just to jump back on the camera, um, for our listeners to understand, it's like, it's old school in the sense that, like, your D-pad is controlling the way that you move. Uh, no analog control, which is also fucking weird. Um... But uh, your L2 and R2 buttons spin the camera around you, but then the camera also turns as your character turns with the D-pad, but then also if you're holding R1 during combat, it also shifts the camera because you're like sort of locking onto targets, like it not super well. but at the target, but it doesn't make the camera point at the target. Yeah, so like then you're not really facing that direction. It's like very strange. And then the, so, and then the worst part, and this... this I need to like get this off my chest because this is what killed my first playthrough of this is first of all the game never tells you that you can go like in your head to just look around a room which is accomplished by holding down L2 and R2 at the same time yeah if you hold both of them down then you can manually look around a room which one they they don't tell you and two is literally necessary later in the game because like you need to jump to elevated platforms and stuff that you straight up cannot see unless you manually look there which is like what the I'm fuck? happy you brought that up. I had the exact same thing to me. Like, okay, so on the Dreamcast, you do have analog movement. You have it on the stick. Yeah. But mm. the thing that I kept falling into was I kept hitting up on the D-pad instinctively to look up because left and right controls your camera left and right around Resale. Sure, but sure. no, hitting up on the D-pad or down on the D-pad brings up your rituals menu or like yeah. your spells menu. Oh, so I keep hitting that. It's like, no, I don't want to use any of my spells. I want to look up. And it took me forever to find out that you hit the like the two uh, trigger buttons uh, to like move your camera, 
And you're talking about the part where you like drop the block and you have to slide it over yeah. and then jump on yeah. the other platform. Yeah, I had no idea what the hell. To That's do. what I'm I saying. Like, in, like and I look up and I'm like, oh, oh, thanks for giving me the prompt I... like you did for like the combat game or like you know for jumping and every other function except for you know moving the camera up and down. Yeah. You know what? I got through that part not knowing that you could, like, I, I had forgotten that you can control the camera like that. So I actually got through that part by fumbling around for a long-ass time uh, and getting stuck and just being like, all right, I give up on this for tonight. Yeah. Um, but, so, I yeah, mean, no. That also leads us, I think, very seamlessly into the platforming aspect of the game. Um, oh, my God. Okay. Which yeah, so... is a fucking nightmare. I mean, this this is I, I... definition early polygonal bullshit 3d platforming i was going to say described in three words but a fucking nightmare works beautifully yeah so, dude it is it is it's, early ass it's the ps1 era platforming where they didn't yeah. understand that if you don't have precision platforming controls you can't ask players to do precision platforming yeah so on top of the janky camera and the fact that you don't have all that much control over it to begin with, or at least comfortable control, because like I found rotating the camera was like really slow. It like dragged when you held the yeah. On top of that, the jump can be sometimes non-cooperative. Like specifically <laughs> the jump part. I, I totally agree. And I will say that a lot of the variations on jumping is very inconsistent in the sense yeah. that like when I jump and then try to glide or something, like I it is a straight up gamble if I'm gonna get okay. the jump that I'm intending to I, make, you know. I, so you didn't have the misfortune of getting to the worst part of the game in this regard because you called it quits, right? I didn't. Second I didn't quit. Temple. That's just as far as I've gotten. Okay, up well, okay. I, I didn't. I don't. Okay, I don't mean to sound snide. Sorry, it's just slip of the tongue. But yeah, um, second last temple, the sunken abyss or the sunken abbey. Oh no, water level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can see where I'm going with this. You yeah. Can see where I'm going with this water level with camera imprecision and bad jumping. See if you can figure out. There's that one point where you have to jump on these narrow wooden beams across a ceiling. Of course there is. <laughs> yeah. I remember what that. what happens when you miss so them. If you, you fall, how far back does it send you? Oh, like not too, too far back. It's like two rooms back or like a room back, but it is fucking pain in the and, ass. And because not only do you fall into like the spirit realm and you have to jump up onto like two other platforms, then phase back into the like normal realm. Which you have to hope you have full health because there's it's also a giant pit with those like um what the hell are those like little soul things that you can kill in the spirit realm and I, I know them. the ones that are like the frothing <laughs> green mouths or whatever yeah, I was yeah, talking yeah. about. So then you have to fight them to get to full health, transform, jump up, climb up a wall because eventually you get the ability to climb up walls from another one of your brothers, Zephim, I think. Yeah. You climb up the wall, yeah. And then you have those narrow pillars that you have to jump. There's about four of them. With like I swear to God, it's like a foot. It's the size of Raziel's foot. Like, Jeez. And it doesn't even have the have common to decency to kill you and bring you back to a checkpoint. You have to climb all the way <laughs> nope. back up again. Nope. And you said it's like and two rooms back. Does that include slow-ass door-opening animations? No, no, no. You don't have to door. Like, by two rooms back, I and mean, you fall to the ground, you have to fight those things and jump <laughs> off the two pillars and make it to the upper level. So, okay. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, and that's before you get the power to be able to swim in water. Because yeah, by the way, later on you can swim in water, which would have been fucking nice to bypass that entire <laughs> challenge with its... Oh my gosh. Yeah, so the platforming was not my favorite. And even before I ran into that, there was another part in the... Um, the Zephyn's Lair, whatever that place the cathedral? is. Cathedral? Yes, the Silent Cathedral. So yeah. this, it's this level with this giant pipe <laughs> organ, and like it's shattered, but there's all these pipes leading up, and it's a vertical level. And you have to climb up on these pipes and make precision jumps from platforms across the pipes. And at one point, what you have to do is you have to hit three switches in order to turn a turbine on. So then you can leap up in it and then float up a pipe into the final section of the game. So is it timed? Switch... No, 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 no. It's not timed. There is one puzzle that's timed, but that's not too difficult. Okay. But they're spread out across these like three different corners of the map and like each one is at a different vertical interval and you just have to like i have to backtrack so much and this one is really freaking annoying because you have this room with these two circular pipes and one in the middle and then these two like you know how when you run into the enemies you have like a lower tier vampire and a higher tier vampire of every clan sure yeah and like there's sure, like sure a little bit, yeah yeah like the alpha one so there's two of those guys in the room and you have to like Hopefully avoid them, jump on the platform, make it around without slipping, jump onto another platform that, like, wraps around the level and get to the end point. It's like, how is this a good idea, you know? Yeah, I just kept falling. I couldn't land that, like, land that jump at all. And it just, it made me question my legitimacy as a gamer because I'm like, I'm not that bad. (laughs) Platformers aren't my thing. No, when you, when you're competing I'm with archaic systems like, like that, it's like yeah, I mean, yeah. if this but game it can... question, it's like, am I really that bad at video games if, that I can't? If do this? this game controlled like Super Meat Boy, though, you would have much less of a problem. <laughs> yeah, doing yeah, it. yeah, for sure. But yeah, yeah, so the platforming gets a little, little more annoying, a little bit more annoying <laughs> the further you get. Yeah, mm-hmm. Shane, you would say so too. Uh, no, for sure. Like I've, uh, I, I. You know, I only beat the second boss before we were able to, to have our discussion. Okay. And so I, I'm the the cathedral in, in particular. I'm able to uh, recall, like like the pipes. They're curved on the sides. If you stand on any surface that is not completely flat, you're sliding oh, right off. Man. And so, and uh, essentially, if you move at any velocity that is not slow as hell, you're going to end up on the curved edge and slide right off. Yeah. So what happens is you'll jump on a pipe, go into crawling, and just crawl your way on the pipe so that you can get where you need to go without falling off. It's just crazy, man. Like, was... and, it, and I think the shame is, is like, <clears throat> is like, some of the mechanics in the game are doing interesting things that make platforming more fun, but like, the precision stuff is is like the worst. And like, specifically what I'm referencing is like, the, uh, like, phasing into the spectral realm, like, I really, really like that when you go into, like, the ghost realm or whatever, it actually, like, changes the environment that you're in. Yes. Like, it will create platforms, and, like... It's it's like like the Titanfall 2 level, where it's, like, you have to specifically switch back and forth to be able to do particular things to progress through the rooms it's it's it's, really cool link to the past when you're trying to get to certain mountains in the light world by going to the dark world i love that concept yeah i wish the game told you that it did that yeah 
And yeah, it's very cool. And in particular, like in regards to platforming, I think that it's used to great effect, at least in the levels yeah. that I was in, where it's like I would get to a room and I'm like, I know I need to do something in this room, but I don't know what. And then when I had the aha moment of like, let me – I wonder what happens if I went into the spectral room and I just did it and I see like, you know, platforms coming out of walls and stuff. I'm like, this is great. And then you kind of have those aha moments where you're like exactly like what Potts was saying where it's like – like, okay, I need to jump to this, the other side of this thing, but how do I do it? And then it's like, you do it in the spectral realm, and you're like, all right, well, nothing's happening, so what do I do? And then you switch to your physical form to, like, like change, like, these pulley systems, because now your body has weight, so you can, like, change, like, the, you know, how things are sitting and whatnot, and then, like, then switch back, so then you can be the ghost and jump across. Like, it's used to great effect in a lot of cool ways. And I really like that as far as like being part of the uh, the puzzle solving inside yeah. the dungeons. I think overall the game has a lot of really interesting and good ideas that it just executed really, really poorly. Well, um, I think it's also just held back, like we've been discussing, as a product of its times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think people call games like this uh, prototypical. As in yeah. like they were definitely the first to like try weird new things, you know? Yeah, I was I was gonna say like exactly what Shane said and like what you you guys said as well. I don't blame the game necessarily for these faults. Like oh, yeah. it was tough to go back into, considering like what I've had the privilege of playing since two thousand. Yeah, when this game was originally released, but that this was like the same era where like you know Jet Force Gemini is not something that's particularly easy to get back into for the same reason. Yeah. Um, it had some fantastic ideas, but uh, it was a lot of it was technical limitations, and a lot of it was, I guarantee you, the fact that they had to leave a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor. Yeah, and um, it's yeah. it's surprising Definitely. with how much. Well, I I feel like that. So there was two last uh, last you know chunks of this sort of overview that I wanted to really dig into, and that comment perfectly ties into both of these. Like as far as leaving stuff on the cutting room floor, it is very obvious in one sense why that happened and another where they absolutely took the liberties that they needed to to, to fit stuff in the game i think they they took all the liberties that they needed to to do what they wanted to with the combat which i i want to talk about but before we get to the combat the one part that i think that was so obvious that they had to chop out uh like pieces of the game to simplify it a little bit is evident in all of the fucking block pushing puzzles dude like why is half of this fucking game pushing blocks man it's like it's all the you know, I'll, I'll say this figure out that you solved the puzzles when you hear the clicking noise yeah because it took me longer than i want to admit for me to realize oh they click when you put them in the right spot I, just, I had so many ocarina of time flashbacks see that's actually what i was gonna say is at least to be fair um, that, granted, the, the there's way more block puzzles going on in Soul Reaver than there is in Ocarina of Time, but moving blocks around is at least more convenient in Soul Reaver, where yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it's That's a very true. it's a very video game type thing to be doing in a game. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. a, again, product of its time kind of thing. When they, when they were like, oh, what do we do in a three D world? Oh, we move it's objects so around three D. Oh, there's exactly. no variety. There's no variety. Yeah, I mean, like, they try to do interesting things. Like we were talking about the one puzzle where you like push the block off the top to land on the other block oh. or whatever. Like. Okay. 
I was... Actually, here, like, this is good. Like, sorry, sorry to cut you off. No, but, like, go for just it. Just remind me. Like, let, let's talk about something positive here. I want to say this because, as much as the overused block puzzles, you just remind me there was one really clever puzzle towards the end of the game. Um, I think it's in the second last level where you have this furnace room, and what you have to do is you have to blow up a door by hitting one lever to open up a gas, and you hit another level to ignite a flame, and that causes an explosion and like blows a door open. But it's also a hint at how you defeat the boss of that level. Ah, very Zelda. Because what you have to do. Yeah, so what happens is when you have the cutscene with that final boss, whose name I can't remember. Shane, do you remember? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the one who's, like, sitting on his throne, he's pierced by, like, three hunter spears, and then you pull them out the stakes, and then he comes back to life. And then if you try and hit him with any of your abilities, he just sort of, like, jumps back and laughs. Like, you can't fight him one-on-one. -on -one. So then what that means is... You have to figure it out, like, very... It's it's cryptic, but once you figure it out, it's like, oh, okay, really awesome. Like, I just followed a guy because I was getting frustrated. But you have to lead him from that room throughout the temple into that room and then flick the gas switch and then flick the fire switch and then catch him in an explosion. Hmm. And that's how you kill him. Like, you turn him into a living ball of fire. That's interesting. And I thought that was a really... That was a really cool puzzle. Yeah, like, that's, that, that's that a very really clever uh, clever application of, like, you know, stuff that you learn and how you can interact with the environment and stuff. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think there was definitely room for more stuff like that. Like, I don't want to make it sound like the game was just, like, brain dead and all you do is move blocks. Like, moving blocks yeah, is no. but, like... <clears throat> you are moving a lot of blocks, but I, I think one of the words that you used earlier, I think, is very apt, a very apt description for a lot of the puzzles in this game, which is cryptic. Like, you are pushing blocks, but, like, there was many times that I'm walking around being like, okay, I'm pushing a block. What, the, what am I doing with this block? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, what's happening right now? Sometimes they gotta go on a thing on the floor. Sometimes they gotta go into a thing in another wall. Like Sometimes you have to stack them up on top of each yeah, other. Yeah, you can pick them yeah. up. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the one puzzle where it's like, oh, you have to like flip them a couple of times over in different directions so you can have it face this particular way to push into the wall to unlock a thing. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, sure. I gotta, I, I gotta, there was one puzzle in particular uh, in the cathedral, and I remember seeing one of Frank's tweets about the game as he was playing through it, and... Uh, it was venting his frustrations about trying to so uh, solve a puzzle, but enemies respawning as he's trying yeah. to do it. Oh, yes. And I'm almost <laughs> certain, as I'm playing through this part in the cathedral, I'm like, I'm exactly where Frank was. <laughs> because, um, yeah, no, they started dropping uh, enemies as you're trying to, like, make, uh, you're trying to complete the pictures on the side of the wall. Oh, yeah, Iris, yeah I guess. that was exactly the place where I was. Yeah. Oh, that's... That was trouble just because the enemies were very quick in that area. And anytime you tried to attack, you ended up grabbing a block. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, uh, that is uh, unpolished game design, is yeah, what that, that sounds that like. Trouble. Um, yeah, so, okay, like, and again, I don't want to sound too negative on it, because... Well, okay, no. I'll get to that towards the end of the podcast, like, what my, like, overall thoughts are, but... Yeah, I, th I want to get into the overall thoughts and stuff, uh... Right after but, we talk combat. combat. I, I yeah, legitimately but, think the combat is yeah. super interesting and just very yeah. hampered by existing as a PS1 game. Like No, for sure. Like, Sorry, the, the idea that you can't kill enemies just by attacking them, you have to use, like, 
these... I actually thought... I was actually really disappointed when you could start picking up weapons and just stabbing enemies by hitting them a bunch. Because I thought it was so much more interesting to have to, like, knock them unconscious and then bring them to something where you can kill them. Like, fire or water or, like, Or a stake in the wall or yeah, whatever. Yeah, or, like, throw them into a stake in the wall. And then you, you basically are just, like, pick up a spear and it's like, oh, okay... So this is just the rest of the game, then. It's just smack, well, smack, 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 stab, and they're dead. See, that's that's one of the things that you guys unfortunately missed out on by not getting up to the Soul Reaver, <coughs> is that the, the way they kind of start the game is limiting you on your arsenal so that you learn what tools are available to you. So you learn, you're like, yeah, I can chuck someone into water or put them on a spike or burn them in sunlight. Totally. Um, but then, hey, here's a spear. Oh, okay, that made it a lot easier. I'm going to be looking for spears now all the time. Yeah. And then it's like, hey, here's the Soul Reaver. Oh, okay, I'm not going to use any of those until I get hit. And it's like, ah, oh, crap, now I need a spear. Oh, oh is it, it's like a Zelda thing, a like you only have the sword at full health or something? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. And then once you lose that, then you're back to, you know, relying on the environment. Or just cheesing, like going back to the Spectral Realm, healing up, and then transporting yeah. back to the Physical Realm. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. But by having that mechanic in place, I thought it was really cool the way that, you know, they gradually power you up. You want to stay powered up, but because they started you off with little to nothing, you at least know if you're backed into a corner and you don't have a weapon around, you don't have the Soul Reaver, um, you aren't totally incapable. You can punch a dude until he's not moving around and then just chuck him over into something deadly. Yeah, I, I mean, I just really, you know, I, I guess it's interesting since uh, I didn't have any exposure to the Soul Reaver itself, but... Uh, I, I really enjoyed that, like, the game kind of, like, made you think or made you, like, try to stay, you know, properly equipped to do stuff. Because, like, there was times um, on my path to that first boss where, like, I would have to drop the spear that I kept, like, picking back up, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Because I would have to go into the spectral room and drop it and all this other stuff, like, you know, for whatever reason, I, I just might not have it on me. And then I thought that it was really cool when that... Uh, was then kind of like blown out even more during the boss fight where it's like okay you're in this kind of elaborate room like figure out how to kill this guy like that was that was really cool like dropping the doors on him and then like timing him in the center of the thing to drop the thing on him like that was all really fun like I I really really uh, enjoyed that and I think that the combat is one of the strongest parts of the game I mean you can even see how you know, a lot of modern games were influenced by this. Like, I mean, we saw how Zelda did targeting and stuff with, like, the Z-targeting and whatever. But in this one, I think it took more of kind of, like, a a prototypical, like, Dark Souls approach where, like, you're locking onto an enemy and you can, like, dash around them or back or towards them and stuff. Like, it, it gives you a lot of really cool options that way. I was going to say almost like Assassin's Creed-ish. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I would definitely uh, agree with that. See, I didn't like the combat in the slightest. Really? Because I didn't find that the options were there. I mean, at first I really liked the fact that you had the whole environmental thing or having to find, like, discarded weapons to actually kill enemies. But then I found once you got into the meat of it and got the Soul Reaver, it became, like, really repetitive. Lock on, you know, dodge, dodge. You don't get hit because I could never figure out their attack patterns because they seem to be like a little sporadic for my tastes or for me to like nail down and then just what I would end up doing was I turn a corner and immediately start hitting um, 
the my X button to just like whack them with the Soul Reaver, hopefully catch them unawares, then immediately impale them. Yeah. Or when I got the beam ability, like the the ranged attack, just start pummeling them with it. Wait till they're stunned and then walk up to them and then impale them. Yeah, like, yeah it like, sounds drab, like honestly. I mean, it sounds like that that was probably done to like let you feel like you're getting more powerful through the game, like you're able to take stuff down. I mean. Maybe, but I just found, like, if I didn't do that, then it would become, like, like I'd get bogged down with combat, and I'd get frustrated, because I'd yeah. just end up taking, and like, the, a lot of hits. The problem is, is that, as, as like, interesting an idea as how the combat works is, the combat itself isn't actually fun, and it doesn't feel There's, good. So, it's jank. Yeah, yeah so, like we were saying. so it's like, you can't take advantage of how interesting an idea it is, because it feels bad bad and it feels like a chore to actually participate in the combat well i mean that's that's definitely true and like i i think like the hitboxes are super ambiguous like most of the time i was like just trying to mash through their attacks and then like like it was almost like a race to get to holding triangle (laughs) you know um But, I mean, I, I really, really liked the ideas that it was using and stuff. Like, I, I think that it was very uh, it was very fitting for what it was. And, like, you know, there, there's something kind of interesting about, like, after you kill a guy, just kind of, like, hanging out for a second to, like, eat his soul afterwards. Like, you pull your that, scarf down and you've you just look got so a comical. Oh, no man. But that's so cool. It's, As it's, an idea, yeah. Like, I love that. Yeah. Uh, not only do you have to... Uh, you know, use the environment around you to destroy your enemy's bodies, but you can't just rely on destroying their bodies entirely. If you don't eat their soul, they're coming back. Like, yeah. Ideas like that are really cool. Yeah, and there was, a f- uh, there was a few times when I was playing that that, like, actually betrayed me. Like, I'd be fighting a couple guys at the same time, and I would, like, take one down and then, like, immediately grab my staff back to, like, kill another guy. And, like, the other dude would respawn, and I'm like, fuck, like, oh, I messed up. I should have eaten him, you know? <coughs> It's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... it, it, it A lot of what's going on with Soul Reaver, and a lot of why I have fond memories of it, but upon, like, you know, jumping back in, finding a lot of trouble getting through it, is that, you know, it had a lot of really great ideas um, and how they would be executed, but are held back by, you know, not that great of certain like mechanics like camera control or the targeting is not that great mm-hmm. so despite the fact that it has a targeting system i would prefer something like zelda's where it's a little more forward facing yeah but no like it, it it tries to introduce a lot of things that are really cool really neat that you want to get invested in but you are held back by your controller in a way yeah I mean, it kind of makes the prospect of uh, of Crystal Dynamics making a new one pretty exciting. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. And Crystal Dynamics. <laughs> Crystal Dynamics and maybe, is... That's Tomb Raider. Release. Yeah, I'll play anything they make at this point. Yeah, man. Maybe maybe they can release a PC port that actually, like, works with a controller, so I don't have to use, like, all, all kinds of <laughs> pass-throughs. Okay, so... I'll tell you what. Melky, honestly... I grew I grew up playing games where I like would just use my keyboard and nothing else. It's not that hard, but it's not my primary like it's not ideal. Wanting to play a game. No, it's not ideal. I'd rather use a controller for especially platformers or action puzzle games, whatever this genre is. Yeah. Action adventure, that's it. Alright. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I can 
Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was, I was done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I just was going to say really quickly, um, one, one, one side thing from this game that I can mention is it gave me an opportunity to actually use my Dreamcast that I don't have very many games for, and so it was like, all right, let's dig in and use this. Has anyone, anyone used much of the Dreamcast controller? Because I have a lot of... I had a lot of trouble with that thing. Dude, I fucking love the Dreamcast controller, man. The Dreamcast was, like, my primary console in 2000. I... It's, I it's a bad was, controller. It has yeah, the it has the best analog stick of any analog <laughs> stick. The buttons sure. are weird. The D-pad is terrible. There's a hole in the middle of the controller. <laughs> my, my, my thumb is slipping off of that stick so many freaking times. Oh I don't God. mind the analog stick. I just don't like where the D-pad is. And I know it's like an immature thing, like when you compare it to a 360 controller, but like the D-pad on a Dreamcast controller just feels weird. Oh yeah, it's yeah, very it's... mushy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I, I just know. mean like location-wise, like just in the proximity of it to the analog stick feels strange. Yeah. I mean the mushiness. It's also <laughs> odd to like wrap your hands around it. Like, you're, like your fingers yeah. are kind of crammed up under the bottom of it. It's a little weird. Yeah. I found that I ended up, like, pulling the trigger not with uh, the the first joint of my finger, but, like, the second. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I was really gripping the, the controller less of, like, pulling pulling a trigger. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's, not, it's not quite as comfortable as the Famicom Mini, mini there, eh, Shane? No, 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 certainly not. Dude, that was, that was an excellent piece from, uh, from you, by the way. <laughs> He's like, I love oh, trying to hold it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Why is that wire sticking out the side? <laughs> <laughs> for, for those of you who aren't in the know, we put out another episode of our hit series, um, Zero Interruptions, where Shane made a joking argument as the Famicom being the best video game controller. Joking? So. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, super serious. So you guys should go check that out. And yeah. yeah it's a, I would say definitely, definitely check that out. Yeah. Um, no, the Dreamcast controller, it's, eh. I, it has a cool LED. I like that it has an LED in the yeah. middle because I'm a sucker for, for stuff like that. So yeah, no, that's really cool. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on before final thoughts was, um, and it's something that again, um, Skirbo and, and Pods, you wouldn't have gotten as much exposure to. I'm curious to hear from Frank because I didn't even get that far in the game, so I want to know what your impact was for this. But it was the world design. Okay. Um, yeah, so I actually kind of dug it. Like, it was weird because it wasn't, it's not an open world per se. It's like, honestly, the closest thing that I can describe it to is Dark Souls. And like, you know how Dark Souls 1 is this like vertical Metroidvania game? Where you kind of backtrack to the same areas, but you're going up this like spirals, this slope where yeah, there's spirals where some sort of like uh, large areas are kind of hooked up to one another. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely I see where you're coming from with the Metroidvania thing. I mean, after beating the first boss and they give you that first like phase ability, like my yeah. immediate thought was like, oh wait, I remember where there were big ass gates that I couldn't yeah. get through. You know. So then, yeah. So the point of the game is then to like use those abilities and explore, and then you can find like health power ups. You can find like like uh, hidden like magic runes, which are completely optional, and you don't need them to finish the game whatsoever. You can find an upgrade to the Soul Reaver, which I found that like lets you imbue with the power of fire and then you can just like one shot enemies which i thought was like super cool yeah 
Um, so it actually encourages exploring, but it's not like a daunting exploration. It's constructed so it's like you have this big central hub and then each of the directions leads you to like another point in the game and i thought it was pretty cool and there's also a completely optional area that i found which was like the human city yes and i, I never figured out what it's that. yeah i found it i never figured out what his purpose was like i kind of like went there i looked around a bit i'm like huh okay this is like pretty interesting and then i just kind of went to go like finish the game yeah um but i thought it was like a cool inclusion because from a lore perspective it's talking about like this war with humans and vampires it's like oh hey like it's that in that b-tongue video what do they eat hey i found what they eat yeah um so that was awesome. yeah i also can't help but feel like that should have had a bigger purpose that it was just cut from the final game i'm sure it, but i thought the world design was like really awesome honestly i'm sure it, it could have been a cutting room floor thing but it's so cool that they still decided to um, instead of block it off they're, they're like ah forget it we'll add it and instead of it having a real purpose it's just Oh shit! Sure. You know, here's the corner of the earth where humans still are. Let yeah. me just screw around here, even if I don't have a purpose in being here. This is where I am, and uh, where yeah, they yeah. are. That was like really cool, and then I so like I found that I like dug around, and on the back of the game, on the back of the disc, it says like, "Oh, it's a game with like 45 hours of like or 45 minutes of voice dialogue." And it's like a 40-hour game. Then when I checked when I finished it, I clocked in about like 12 or 13 hours. I can see why they say it's a 40-hour game, but that's, like, padding it for the sake of padding it to, like, sell it as a 40-hour game. Because it's like, yeah, it's 40 hours if you go out of your way to, one, explore every inch of the map, two, consider backtracking to figure out where you're going to find, like, the bosses, three, find all the power-ups, four, find all the health upgrades. You know, by the time you, like, scoured, like, this maze of a world, it's going to take you about 40 hours, but... Especially if you're yeah. trying to do it without a guide, as yeah. the game was designed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, it was interesting. I think if there was one thing that, like, survived the test of time, it would be, like, the overall world design. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, I figured there was more of that to come when it shows you the fast travel system, which it just w- it was very poorly, you know, explained. I didn't even find probably explained, but... Yeah, the fast travel points I actually missed. Like when I finished the game, I didn't even hit all of them. So, hmm. yeah, even even on my way to the cathedral, I I actually couldn't shut my Dreamcast off for about a day because I was I couldn't find a fast travel point, uh, and was was just getting like it, it was too late at night, so I had to go to bed, wake up next morning, proceed further, and then I finally found one and realized I missed two in the span. Of, of finding the next checkpoint. I mean, you can like, you can still save anywhere in the game, right? In the PlayStation version, you can literally save anywhere. You can save you everywhere, can save. but then when you know, when you reboot the game, you always start off in that opening room. Oh, I didn't know. So, that. Like you keep your items, you keep uh, you keep whatever like rooms you find, you keep whatever like workbench you open. But <laughs> you lose your magic point. Like once you get magic spells, you lose your eldritch power or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you just have to like backtrack to where you were physically. Interesting. Yeah. Gross. All right, guys, what do you say we get into some final thoughts? Yeah. Go for it. All right, so I'll, I'll kick us off. I mean, overall, I, uh, I, for all the jank and for all of the confusion that I had with Soul Reaver, I really enjoyed it. Um, I definitely could see myself finishing it. Uh, I mean, I think of anything, I was most interested in what it was trying to do with the combat and the lore does seem pretty cool i'm not sure if i'd follow the lore to 
you know, all of its ends, like playing all these different games or whatnot. But uh, I would definitely finish this one to the end just to to kind of see what's going on with it. Definitely worth a play, and uh, I would recommend it to a friend. But like, like cautiously, like like making them fully aware of what they're getting into. But if they're like able to uh, able and willing to deal with severe levels of jank and uh, some really esoteric, you know, game design choices, then uh, yeah. then it could be a cool ride for them. Pots, what do you think? And I would have oh, I would ahead. have given you guys that same warning if I wasn't so blinded by some nostalgia. So. <laughs> okay. I I um despite it doing interesting things uh as i've already said there's no way in hell that i would finish this game (laughs) even if i continued to have access to it beyond tonight um it kind of represents the era of gaming that i hate more than any other era (laughs) that you're glad that we're past yeah i extremely glad like it was just like oh my god this is what video games used to be and i didn't love it then but i didn't know any better and geez do i hate it now (laughs) and i'm just i I'm, i'm sure that i'm missing out on a lot of stuff but i'm just so incapable of playing anything from like that particular period for that reason are you interested enough where if Crystal Dynamics made uh, an updated oh, version or a new one? fucking lootly. I mean, just the fact that Crystal Dynamics would be making it would be enough of a reason for me to play it. But I, like, I, I do think it's really interesting. It was just executed extremely poorly, which I think is predominantly because of when it came out and not because they did not make it well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It, it, like, even if this was made in, like, 2012, I think it would have been substantially... A substantially More better experience, yeah. Um, and I also, just one thing I wanted to mention before we stopped, because it, it was one of the biggest impressions, was no one else almost driven off the deep end by the sound of his feet while you were walking. <laughs> the, like, sploosh, 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 like it's kind of wet, but it's kind of hard, and it's just incessant for the entire time that you're playing. Yeah. Yeah, I have zero issue with it. I'll be oh honest. Oh my god! I, I I noticed it. Yeah, it's definitely I mean, noticeable. It's like for the entire game, I was losing it a little bit. Oh, I forgot there was what you totally just like hit <laughs> hit on a point for that. I was like, yeah, I definitely did notice that, and I was like, yeah, there were a lot of parts of the game that were silent, but when there was music playing, I thought it was awesome that the music like shifted like there were two versions of every song for when you're in like the spectral and physical realms like that was fucking cool i really did like that a lot um again very ahead of its time i was actually gonna say because i forgot to say earlier i love the soundtrack for this game i think it's awesome no it's definitely cool it's a shame that you didn't get as far as you guys did because like honestly the best song in the game is when you go to like the fallen uh like the fallen uh throne room of Cain. And when you're going, and then when you, when you fight him, the music that plays there is that such a good epic. track. You know, what I realized on my second playthrough is, because I'm anticipating that. I'm anticipating that theme for the game to, to pop in. And as I'm playing through, I'm hearing kind of like elements of it in, in the silent kind of ambience. And I'm like, where is it? Where is that theme? And as I'm going, I'm kind of hearing it, you know, build and build. And then you get to that point where you fight Kane and then 
and then you have the Soul Reaver and it's playing, and you're like, yeah, awesome. <laughs> That's cool. There it is. That's what I've been fighting through all this jank for. Yeah. So. That's awesome. All right, Frank, what, what about you? What were your final thoughts? So this represents the era of gaming that I absolutely love, and it's my favorite era of gaming. <laughs> You're fucking crazy. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. I'm a sucker for, like, late 90s, early 2000s, like, polygonal 3D games. Like, look at something like Rune, and then you get, like, a sense of the sort of, like, graphics that I absolutely adore. Yeah. Um, I'm not much of a puzzle platformer guy. I'm really not. But I enjoyed Reaver as much as I thought I would, just based on my former knowledge and me being like, oh, man, I'm a big fan of vampires, and man, like, I love deep lore. I enjoyed the game thoroughly, and it got me interested enough, whereas I actually want to go and play the rest of the series. Absolutely. I'm not sure if I would replay Soul Reaver, at least not soon. Maybe in, like, a, like a number of years... I might like visit it again, mm-hmm. cool. but I found the reward. I'm like really happy that I finished it. Cause I found the reward of going through the game. Even if it was a stupid cliffhanger ending, I found that going through it and finishing the game was just reward enough. Like it told such a great story with such a great atmosphere and that was just delivered like expositionally, at least really well. And that is I one liked thing... a lot of the, yeah, no, go on. No. It, this is your this is your pedestal moment. Go keep going. Okay, and like expositionally, they handled it really well, and I thought that it just it had a lot of good ideas, and it's a shame that they just weren't able to capitalize on them. But yeah, overall, like I think it was great, and I'm happy that I finally had a chance to like play it from start to finish. Like I can put that notch in my belt and say like, yeah, I finished Soul Reaver, and it's a pretty great game. Nice, nice. I think I think I think. Hang on, let me just say this as a minute. I think 13 year old Frank would have loved this game like to the moon. Whereas 27-year-old Frank is like, yeah, it's pretty great, but... Yeah, I really want... I, I quickly wanted to touch on when, you know, you were kind of summing up the, the story was uh, part of what I like about how it has a big interconnected world with kind of a large scope and some deeper lore to it is that I still feel like the focus of the story is on Raziel and, yeah. and on his kind of quest towards... Um, his vengeance against Cain. And as the story unfolds, you realize there is more to it, but the focus still kind of remains on Raziel, despite being surrounded with cool stuff. And that's what makes finding that human city really cool, is that, you know, Dude, from that's the perspective what makes the... of Raziel, it's like, you know, that's it's just a little the... thing. That's what makes the plot twist, like, halfway through so cool. Like, you know the one I'm talking about when you, ha- when you go to the tomb of the Seraphim? Um, nope, you'd have to remind me. Okay. And I'd... Spoil it, Frank! Okay, so what happens is about halfway through the game, when you've killed about two or three of your brothers, you're told, like, by the elder, go to the tomb of the Seraphim. So as we established before, the Seraphim were this, like, cadre of, like, elite vampire hunters that were sponsored by the sorcerers who, like, some Nazgoth. What you find out is when you go to the tombs, the tomb, the, the um, uh, caskets have all been defiled, and each of the tombs are labeled. And lo and behold, names on the labels are of Raziel and all of his brothers. So what actually happened was after Cain ascended and became the Lord of the Vampires, he took the leaders of the Seraphim, embraced them, made them his children, enemies into the various vampire broods that populate Nazgoth. How about that? 
That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, and then that was another thing I want to say. Like, one thing I really loved about the world design, and I know I'm shoehorning it in now, I loved how each of the different clans of vampires adapted differently, and you had different designs based on different environments. Yeah. Like, that was really, really, really cool. And, I mean, it worked for them but, from a, like, a gameplay structure of trying to... Yeah, to, like, to develop different enemy types and stuff. Right? Yeah, so, like, you have the, the Silent Cathedral, which is all vertical-based, and those vampires can climb walls. Um, you have yeah. like the vampires who can swim, the like the snake-like vampires in the sunk in the sunken abbey, because it's underwater, stuff like that. Like, I thought that was like brilliant. Um, but yeah, so like that halfway point where it's revealed exactly what you're saying, like it's still Raziel's story, but there's more going on than just Raziel's vengeance. Like that was awesome. I thought. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, Shane. I think uh, I think overall this is a uh, a really good selection for. The Zero Exposure Podcast. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we were able to talk about it. And I was able to have, you know, a, a second glance at it. Because upon my second viewing, I got to realize a lot more about the game than, than I would have first taken away from it. I just remembered liking it. So it, it's it's a nice opportunity to dissect why. Yeah, and yeah. why not sometimes. Yeah, no, it's, it's always good to take a matured, critical eye to... Uh, some of the games that we're nostalgic for and see if that uh that love was well placed or uh you know was just mm -hmm. what we had accessible to us at the time that we were playing it you know yeah this is definitely a game worth its salt yeah if you can if you can like put your mind aside and like say okay this is a product of its time I, like grin and bear it like you'll find a lot of worth here I, yeah i i forget what video on youtube i was just watching but one of the people i follow just coined the term uh in a video this week grossalgia which is where you find that you something that you loved in your childhood you now can't stand but you still have good feelings about it but you go back and try to play it and it's like jesus this is horrible how did i love this so yeah i i, I would i would have i I would assume that if I had played this when I was a kid, I would be having some hardcore grossalgia going on for this right now. Yeah, it's definitely a, definitely a cool game though, and uh, I'm glad that uh, that you brought this to the table to give us a chance to play it because this, you know, it's it's definitely clear to me why there was so many sequels and stuff to this. You know what I mean? Like the lore, the lore is great, and I think that it has uh, it has some good legs to it. And I think what we can hope for now is that. Uh, Crystal Dynamics is doing something with this IP, and we will... Uh, holding out. Holding out for it. Yeah, and we'll see something cool. Something that isn't a multiplayer uh, shooter. <laughs> yeah, true that. <laughs> Alright, awesome. What do we do with these vampire clans? Put them in a death match, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Something with cards. Cards that we can sell in packs. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Even the last Tomb Raider game had Blood fucking cards, cards in it. Blood bags. That's just crazy, man. You buy you use microtransaction to buy blood bags, and when you open up the blood bags, like the blood spills over on your screen, and you get like one of three rewards when it wipes away. God, I'm gonna throw up, Frank, this <laughs> and not because of the blood. Oh my gosh! Just because of the implications there. Uh, it was a hey cool guys, game. why are we playing this month? Yeah, so this month, uh, it's over to Potts, and Potts has a. Uh, a PC darling that he's sharing with us. We're gonna play the Dungeons of Dreadmore. It's it's a rogue like, uh, as established in our last episode, but it has a really fantastic personality. So 
I hope you guys all like Ludafisk and Monster Zoos because you're going to be experiencing a lot of that soon. Yeah, so... Is, I'd like to point out this is a game that has DLC that tells you that you need to name it yourself. That's awesome. <laughs> like, there's, there's a free piece of DLC, and it's called... Uh, you have to name the expansion pack. <laughs> and so what it is, you boot up the game, because I was, like, playing around with it earlier. You boot up the game, and it says, like, in the corner, you have to name the expansion pack. But if you click on it, then you can erase that and name the expansion pack whatever you want. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> so, yeah, that's very in line with what I remember about this game. I yeah. think I'm going to like it based on the sense of humor alone, but we'll find out. It has a really fantastic sense of humor. Just be prepared to die a lot. Like, yeah. a lot. This is a roguelike, man. Yeah. It's like Dark Souls, but a roguelike. It is. Oh my god. It's like funny Dark Souls, but not at all similar at, in any way. Yeah, yeah so, so we will be... I love my roguelikes. So we will be discussing the Dungeons of Dreadmore on December 27th. So anyone that wants to follow along, you can find Dungeons of Dreadmore on Steam or other uh, online digital sales platforms. And uh, yeah, join us next month where we'll be talking through that one. But for now, thank you, Shane. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Potts, for joining us. And... Well, thank you. Oh, hey, no problem, man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we'll see you on the next one.